Welcome to the Rappaport Diamond Podcast, and now your host, Avi Kravitz. This podcast is brought to you by De Beers Group Ignite, pioneering a new diamond world through groundbreaking innovation, science, and technology. Inspired by the world's unrelenting change, De Beers Ignite is driven to develop creative solutions for the diamond industry, not only for existing challenges, but also for those it may never have faced before, helping you to achieve growth with efficient and accurate technologies throughout the diamond pipeline. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Rapport Diamond Podcast. My name is Avi Kravitz. Our guest in this episode is Wes Tucker, who's the head of De Beers Tracer program. Wes gives us some invaluable insights to Tracer's development and implementation and how traceability programs are shaping the diamond and jewelry market. This is a trend that is only getting stronger as consumers want to know about their diamonds journey and retailers want to use responsible sourcing in their marketing. So relax, but take note as we enjoy this rare opportunity to chat with Wes. Hi, Wes, and welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on. Um, Tracer is such a central project to De Beers and to the industry as a whole, I think, given the, given the trend that we're seeing lately about proving traceability and responsible sourcing. So it's such a great opportunity to have you here. So welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, Avi, thank you very much. It's really, really good to be here. I mean, I think uh, everybody in the diamond industry knows about your podcast, so it's quite an honor and a privilege to be here. So thank you very much. And uh, yeah, excited to talk about something that you say is front and center of the industry at the moment and really important. So yeah, hoping for a good conversation. Well, Wes, it's been just over a year, I think, that you started as the head of Tracer. It was in May 2021, right, that you took on this role. So maybe give us a bit about your background. You're not new to the beers, obviously. And so tell us a bit about how you came to the position and what has the experience been like in the last year? Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much, Avi. Yeah, I have a weird background, I guess. It's quite diverse. And I think I always joke with people that it kind of was always building up to the job that I have now. And so, you know, I'm an electrical engineer by background. I, I grew up in South Africa. I worked on the mine as an electrical uh, controlled instrumentation engineer. I worked on the Karawe mine in Botswana for a good two years. I uh, I have the, I mean, it's probably a bit more evolved now than when I was there, but I, I had the honor of tightening every single bolt on every motor in the whole of the Karawe mine in Botswana. So I know that uh, intimately. I know the diamond, that part of the diamond value chain really intimately. I worked in consulting for another seven years on a lot of digital um, you know, value chain type um, projects. So I worked in the Congo and Zambia, um, all over Africa, um, in the outback of Australia. So quite a lot of diverse experience. And then about three years ago, I started working with De Beers um, really because I had a desire to learn more about where the value in the diamond industry is created and how that value kind of flows back into uh, you know the countries that produce the diamonds. And so, yeah, it's a it's a little over a year now, and uh, it's been it's been quite the journey. So um, it's been very good, very supportive, and um, you know some amazing people and, and amazing technology that I'm working with in a in a fascinating industry. Um, maybe it's worth just talking a little bit about where we sort of were a year ago, um, and I guess a bit of the work that we did to get us to where we are today. Right, because I am interested to know sort of the development of Tracer. And when you started in your position, part of the announcement was that De Beers was moving into phase two of Tracer. And I guess that indicated that there was this greater transition in the programs. So where were we a year ago and how has that developed since you've taken, a, uh, taken on this role? Yeah, I think that's a great that's a great place to start. This uh, the phase two. I like that. Um, thinking back on it now, so so I guess you know Tracer's been around for a while. It's been around for about four or five years. When I took over last year, early last year, we we were on the back of I guess two really intense years, not just for Tracer but also you know for the diamond industry as a whole. We, we'd gone through 2019 and 2020 and the pandemic. Um, 
Tracer had been piloting its technology and its platform for a little over 18 months um, with, with a, a big chunk of the beer site holders and engaging in, intensely in the industry. Um, and I guess we, we sort of sat back and we had, we had a lot of learning from that experience. Um, maybe worth talking about, I guess, three of the big learnings that we had and then how that kind of transitioned, I guess, into what we, what we described as phase two. You know, so I think, I think the first learning, <laughs> I always chuckle at this one because I think we realized that what we're trying to do is actually quite hard. You know, I think we, we sort of thought we knew how hard it was. Um, and then when we entered into the pilot, you realize it is a complicated industry with a complicated value chain, um, you know, with, with a very diverse range of participants and, and different maturities of technology. And we were trying to kind of do everything all at once. Um, but we realized that keeping our participants, our customer at the heart of everything we're doing is critical. So we spent a big chunk of last year building out what I can now describe as a, as a world-class customer support kind of uh, portal and hub. So because it's complicated, because it's so difficult, the ability to hold the hand of everyone on this journey became quite important. And so we spent a lot of time building out that kind of foundation. And when you think about building digital products or technology, we, we don't always think about that, the back office function that is the place to support and, and to hold the hand of, uh, of our participants. So we spent a huge amount of time on that. And we now have a, a fully fledged customer support portal where you have how-to videos and downloads and you can chat with people to, to support issues, et cetera. The second, and I think this will resonate with a lot of the people listening to the podcast, is just how critical data, privacy, and security is in the industry. It is probably the foundational element of everything we do in technology in the industry. So we sort of sat down and we looked at what we've built, we looked at what we tested, and we said, we need to make sure that this thing is completely robust, but more importantly, that we can give it to the participants. And so what we've built is a completely distributed and standalone, what we call instance, which is like a version of Tracer. And we spent the most of last year perfecting this technology that whenever we stand up a site holder, and we can talk about it a little bit later, or a participant, we give them that technology completely, completely self-contained. And the team are now, I like to joke, they're operating a lot more like an Amazon or a Google in the way they're working in that they can create one of these things in less than 10 minutes and they can give it over to the site holder with access control and everything already created. And so that took a huge amount of time. And then I guess the most important thing that we came out of moving into this the sort of phase we're in now is we realize we've got to be quite smart about how we roll out the platform. We can't monolithically drop and force this onto the industry. We have to find a way of working with the industry to kind of layer it in step by step because you know it is quite complicated. <laughs> There's quite a lot of moving parts. And I guess that's where we are now. So so through the back end of last year was mostly development. We kind of kept our heads down. We focused on the technology. And at the beginning of the year, we launched what we call the production instance which is the basic foundational platform of Tracer. And as you've seen in the press and some of the announcements, we started to roll that out to, to our site holders, to the De Beers site holders as a primary focus. And that's, I guess, the I don't want to call it phase three because that sounds a bit weird, but uh, it's kind of we're, in, we're live now is the best way to kind of think about it. Right. I mean, you describe it as um, rolling it out to the industry. And initially it was sort of pitched as this industry-wide platform where it wouldn't be limited to sort of the De Beers supply chain. And my understanding is that it's changed now. It's more focused to onboarding site holders and from their customers um, and so on. So, so is that right? Is it primarily for De Beers goods or, or do you foresee, if not at this earlier stage, at a later stage, um, bringing in non-De Beers goods? Yeah, that's a really important point because one of the decisions we made at the beginning of last year was really around focus. And again, taking into account the back end of the pandemic, I guess everybody from a producer point of view was very focused on you know getting themselves through the pandemic. And we said, look, if we can't get this technology to work, but to be as goods and those that we've been piloting with already, which are mainly the site holders and obviously the rest of the site holders, you know, then it wouldn't really work for the industry. So the best way I look at that, it's built for the industry. It's built to be agnostic. It's built to be able to scale and roll out in that way. But we're focusing on making sure that it works for De Beers production 
and for you know the site holders today that are with the beers. Um, and I don't want to say too much, but I mean I can definitely see because of the way it's built and the way it works, and because of the excitement we've had in the last few months from the rollout. But we, I don't think we're going to stop where we are today. But but I think we owe it to the industry to make sure that this thing we're bringing to market works because we have been on a five-year journey, right? And uh, we don't want to start you know growing and scaling it out too quickly to to different places that the, that it falls over. You mentioned the aspect of data, and one of the I guess challenges that the industry has about data is sort of who controls the data and the operator of the platform have access to all that wide and very useful data that would be on Tracer. So can you either fuel or calm our nerves with regards to who has access to that data, if at all, if there is a centralized sort of data control when it comes to, to Tracer, especially when, when or if you are expanding to beyond the De Beers um, supply. No, exactly. And, and it comes up a lot. So I'm really glad you asked the question. And, and that's why I brought it up in, I guess, some of, the, some of the core learnings, right? Is it doesn't matter who you talk to in the industry. The thing that keeps coming back up is, is privacy and security. So hopefully I can calm everybody's fears specifically. And I think it's good to ask the questions and it's good to push. And, and to be fair, we should be doing it in our personal lives as well, right? Because I think data is taking on a whole new meaning in the new world we live in now, rather than maybe where we were 10 or 20 years ago. So I touched on it in the beginning when I was talking about how we built tracer and i guess fundamentally it's this concept of tracer being distributed because it's distributed it means that the data is in control of the person who is holding that instance of tracer and they can share only the data that they want to share and it is completely self-contained in terms of where and that's hard so that's what took us so long and that's what took us a bit you know a little bit more development and time to get right so i'll try and explain it in the best way that i can to make sure it's, it's clear to everyone so we have various layers of kind of the ability to share data on the platform and some is just you open it and you can share it as far down the chain as you want and some of it you can share to only specific things and some you don't share at all so it lives only on and i'm going to use this word instance just think of it as your little laptop that has tracer on it right so we give a participant a, their version of tracer and they operate on that version of tracer the whole purpose of tracer is to provide provenance so not just origin but data the whole way along the value chain and we're basically enriching this digital diamond the whole way through the value chain but we're enriching it with data that participants choose to add and share further down downstream today we do have a dedicated support team that sits separately in a separate office in a separate building completely um, you know sort of uh, clean roomed if you will and they with permission can access the participants instance to support them but no one else in De Beers, no one else in Tracer can access there and see their data. And it's so segregated in that way that when they do eventually share the diamond further down, it's only the data they choose that then shares further down that gets passed along and no other data gets gets pushed across. So it's the one area in our sort of what we call four layers of the platform. It's the one area that we're most comfortable that has been built to make sure that we can really scale this thing out. Um, no matter who comes on board, we can keep that complete separation of data. That is reassuring, but maybe it'll be clearer if you... Describe the process from mine extraction through the, the various sales points of um, inputting the data or the, the information about the diamond on the platform. So let's take the Gachaquay mine in Canada. There's production that's recovered. And so is there an input at the mine level there? And then those goods are sent to Botswana for aggregation. And so that would be another transaction and mixing of goods. And so that would be another stage of record for that diamond on trace and so forth. Is, is it back to that mine level or are you starting it at the aggregation level? 
Yeah, that's a good question. So I guess there's two parts to what you've asked. So the first is, I guess, that process the whole way through the value chain and how it kind of works and the sort of the sucking up of data as it moves along. And then the second part is, where do we begin at the moment? So at the moment, we begin in at aggregation. We don't go before aggregation. And that's a bit of a choice. So we chose to start the rollout um, in the beginning of the year to make sure that we could provide a source, a De Beers source, a DTC source from the beginning. So with the technology, and we'll talk a little bit about how we do scanning and matching, et cetera, we can go right the way back. We've done some pilots and we've tested to make sure that we can start at the mine when the need arises to start at the mine. But we made a strategic choice in the way we're rolling it out this year that we would start at GSS post-site. So the boxes, the physical boxes that go to the site holders at the end of those sites, those are then loaded on, I guess, the De Beers instance of the platform, uh, for want of a better description. And that's where the, the original initial data set is created and the immutability of that data set is created. And then that can then be inherited by the site holder when they take ownership of not only the physical product, then they take ownership of the digital asset as well. And De Beers allows them to take ownership of the digital asset within um, you know, whatever information De Beers allows them to take from the first instance across into their instance, if that makes sense. Yeah, and then further along, the site holder um, takes it to their factory and manufactures it in various stages of the manufacturing process. And so is there a record then that's required as the diamond changes form, you know, be it from a, a, if they're sawing the rough diamond into two pieces and then the polishing phase, et cetera. So how does that practically work for a manufacturer as they transform that rough to a polished stone or very, or a number of polished stones? So we've spoken already about the beers loading up on their you know, sort of instance of Tracer. They're loading up the site and all of the data that's there. So as a site holder, I now have my instance of Tracer. I have my platform and I can operate my platform. And through that platform, we have the ability to upload various different file formats. And we try and be as agnostic as possible. And we try and accept as much as possible. And there's really two reasons for that. So the first is to build that sort of record of the diamond's journey. And the second is the more richer the media, the better the story we can tell in the future. And so I've spoken about the fact that the site all has their own dedicated instance. That means we don't really have a limitation on internet, notwithstanding the limitation of uploading as much as you need to upload because we've distributed the platform. So it's not one central thing that you know hundreds of people are hitting at the same time. When they accept that diamond, the platform says, you know, De Beers told us who the diamond was going to, you know, it was in this box. Do you have the right box? Do you have the right diamond? We check, you know, do some basic checks on the diamond and they upload all of that information on the platform. They can then also upload videos, scans, silhouettes, you know, any other information they have, planning files. And then what Tracer does is it takes that and as they split the diamond, it creates a, a new diamond with a parent-child relationship to that original diamond and then tracks that diamond further down the chain and just keeps appending information to that diamond as it goes along. When you've now got the four C's, you've got extra information, they can then, the participant can then add that information to that new digital record, which is the child of the parent stone that De Beers sold them in the original instance. Right. Okay. And then I'm just working through the supply chain here because it, it makes sense. Um, the structure makes sense in my mind because now you've got a polished stone and then the site holder or the buyer of the polished stone from the site holder has a choice whether to continue keeping that record on Tracer. And so I guess my question is, how does a retailer at the end of the day tap into this program? Because my understanding that it's essentially a blockchain platform, but it's not providing the marketing that a jewelry retailer might tap into to use all their traced and responsibly sourced information to advance his sales process to the consumer. 
No, and I think that makes sense. I think it makes logical sense to kind of follow the value chain as we work our way down. I guess one important thing in terms of the timing of the rollout. So I spoke a little bit in the beginning about monolithically deploying everything all at once. We realized it was going to be quite difficult. And then obviously off the back of um, you know some of the global events earlier in the year, the decision was made to get that scaled out as quickly as possible to the, first, the midstream players. And that's what we're focusing on at the moment to make sure that it works. So how Tracer will work when we continue to roll it out further down, and we can talk a little bit about retailer and consumer specifically. Um, but there is kind of this concept of that digital asset and the immutable ownership, immutable being, you know, sort of unchangeable. So, you know, De Beers has it originally and it's on the blockchain and we know that De Beers has it. When they transfer it to a site holder, the site holder has it and the blockchain says immutably that the site holder has it. What we would then do is roll out the sort of next stage saying that the site holder can then transfer that across to a retailer and the retailer would take acceptance of it and it would pass through a lab and it would get in. in and we would upload the inscription number, et cetera, et cetera. So we would just continue to build that same concept further down the value chain. Um, we're obviously working when it comes to the retailer and you're touching on things like marketing, et cetera. You know, there are other programs out there and we're very much in the world of interoperability in, in my language. Like Trace is not here to build everything and do everything. It's here to provide this kind of trust layer that we can then pass down the chain. And so we'll be working with things like as code of origin and uh, some of our other uh, partners that we're talking to to try and make sure that we can provide the foundation for Know, code of origin example to tell that story further down and we just keep that that sort of immutability the whole way through that it eventually pops up at the consumer so th- th- that's interesting that it would fit into into like the code of origin program and uh, and also i guess for forever mark for example or um, for those the beers goods that are used in forever mark but then at the moment it's up to the retail to use that information and tap into the gtc branding i guess that would enhance their sale yeah, the origin. And I guess, you know, our goal, and, and this is really, I guess, what Bruce was announcing earlier in the year is, you know, De Beers has made the decision that they want to put all of their production onto Tracer. So all of the diamonds will go onto Tracer. But again, not to provide, you know, again, it's not there to, to do everything. It's there to provide this foundation that we can have that trusted layer with the distributed nature of it, with the data privacy and security, you know, with the checks and balances in place that we can create that immutable foundation. And then, as you've just said, you know, we'll, De Beers and, and other partners will be able to then roll out additional features on top of Tracer to be able to tell those stories that you're describing. Right. Okay. And my understanding is that at the moment, it's just four grain rough and above, right? Is that the, the size limit? Yeah, I like to think of Tracer as a in the rollout as a, as a bit of a matrix. So you've kind of got the value chain along the base, and you've already asked the question about going all the way back into the mine and even further back and all the way down the chain. So it's kind of one axis. Um, definitely size ranges. When you come into the diamond industry, this concept of four grain is in the rough, and it's sort of kind of a half a carat in the polish, but it depends, you know, that kind of concept. And there's the size axis. And then there's all these technology elements we're talking about blockchain, immutability, distributed ledger, artificial intelligence, IoT, you know, data privacy and security. And we're trying to layer these all on. And again, you can't put them all on and turn them all on at once. And so we're kind of trying to grow it out in a logical way. So sorry, I realize it's a bit of a consulting answer. So let me come back to the four grainer point. So we're, we're focused on four grainers and above. That's, that's kind of the initial mark that we've put on. We are testing and working on a lot smaller than that, but we needed to put the kind of line in the sand and we put it on four grainers. And then I like to think of it as two distinct categories. I think there are those that we can identify individually and will be treated individually the whole way through the value chain. And those are sort of above a certain size. And then there's the kind of the bulk, the melee that will always be treated in you know mixed bags, et cetera. And we, we're working on a different solution for that because it, it does require a different solution. So it'll still be the same foundational tracer. It'll be the same blockchain. It'll be the same distributed point. So everybody will have their own version of the ledger, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera but it'll just treat this sort of more in a bulk rather than treating them individually because I think that's just how the value chain works. 
right. I think for many in the industry, um, melee, when one talks about the traceability and melee comes up as a big challenge for everyone. And that's the big sort of question whether one can trace melee and smaller goods um, that are sold in parcels, etc., that if they can be um, monitored through the value chain. Yeah, and I, I have a pretty strong view on this. I think it's interesting the one thing you pick up when you come into, you know, again, my background is more on the mining side and then kind of learning now further down the value chain. But, you know, when you talk to the labs, you know, the, the IODs and the DBS case, the GIAs, et cetera, you know, they talk about verified goods or goods above a certain size that they inscribe. And they're, they're sort of seven points, eight points, 10 points, 20 points, 30 points, whatever it is. I think it's generally around 20 points. There's a reason for that because there's an economies of scale of a diamond down to that size. And I think traceability is no different. As soon as you get to a small enough size, the ability to operate a complex sort of midstream manufacturing at an individual stone level becomes incredibly difficult. So you're always going to have a degree of what De Beers likes to call pipeline integrity. So you're going to have a degree of integrity in, in declaring what it is, and, and you must have that, but it's going to be a, a bag of goods. It can't be an individual stone because it would be too complex. And so my view is, at least in the next few years, I don't think the technology is going to be ready to treat an individual stone below 20 points or seven points or whatever it is. And so we're going to have to have a solution that deals with it more in a bulk basis, but relies on the fact that you know, we're building a trust layer that then says, look, this is the origin of this bag. And if I mix it, I lose origin. And if I continue it, I don't, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, it's, but in the short term, I can't see a technology solution that is going to be able to take, we're talking millions and millions of diamonds, yeah, 20, 30, 40 million diamonds a year and track it all the way down. So I always kind of think of it in these two layers. And I do think as we come down in the size range, um, and as we start sorting out the melee problem, we'll find a kind of a logical middle ground. And I think in the short term, it'll be what the labs describe as a verified diamond, that sort of 20-point level, and then the technology will push it further down. But it's going to be a while until we can trace it at an individual stone level on the melee, melee point. Right, right. We're talking about new production that's coming through the system, but this uh, legacy of so many diamonds out there and recycled diamonds and goods that are in the dealer market already, that um, is there space for those goods to be integrated on, on Tracer? Definitely, yes. A slightly different process, obviously, because you, you you may in some instances know the origin and you may not, but you would have to then just create the, the sort of origin as the point of ownership so whoever has it. Um, I think it's another very interesting question that comes up a lot is the sort of what about the grandfathered goods? What about the previous goods? And I think that actually speaks a lot to why De Beers has done it this way and said, look, what we need to do is we need to start getting you know from site two of this year, we need to start tagging on an immutable record on a blockchain, the origin of diamonds. So at least... 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, a million, 2 million, 5 million by the end of the year, et cetera, are then tagged. And we know the origin of that diamond. And, and obviously, we may not have the infrastructure further down and some of them may float away, but we're starting to kind of fill the dam at the back, for want of a better description. And then I definitely think there is a need for that sort of side chain to come in, to bring in diamonds that are already verified. They have a laboratory certificate, they have an inscription, they have an owner, and then you kind of bring them in at that point. Um, I definitely think there's a use of that. And we can see already in the market that there are declared origins. You know, RapNet, for example, has origin on, on some of the polished stones that they sell. So you could find a way of kind of marking those as such that they don't have a point they weren't taken at point of origin to say this is where it originated from, but with a degree of trust because of who's touched it, you could probably say that, you know, this is where the diamond came from, if that makes sense. Or a Canada mark um, for a diamond, for example. You touched on the big elephant in the room earlier, but um, around February, March, when uh, Russia-Ukraine conflict began, we got a sort of, I think it was within a week or two, that um, various traceability service providers put out these announcements and we were kind of wondering editorially if this was opportunistic or if there was a genuine renewed urgency to put these programs out. And 
So I was wondering if you could maybe touch on that. Um, how did this conflict, which has had an effect on rough supply and the supply chain, um, it's no secret, how has that affected your program for this year? Yeah, <laughs> the elephant in the room. No, definitely. So I think it's important where, and actually, if you think about the landscape at the moment, you know, there's some sort of larger earlier players, and, and you've had a lot of them on, on this podcast as well, you know, doing amazing work and doing some really innovative things. And I think that's how we're going to, you know, move forward as an industry is, is finding a way to all work together and to innovate together, right? Which is really important. I think there's the guys who have been around a bit longer and have the battle scars to show it because it's been a tough journey over the last four to five years. You know, and I think that's, Tracer was always set out and a lot of them were set out because there's a belief that like you see in other industries, the consumer's desire to know is getting greater and greater, you know, not just to know where it comes from, but, you know, what, what is the impact that it has made? And then more importantly, to show them the impact and to show them where it came from, et cetera. So that's what we set out for originally. And I think, you know, with the implementation of sanctions, all it's done is accelerate a lot of that in, in one specific part of it, which is very much the sort of early origin and provenance. And so we've seen, and again, you can kind of see it in when I talk about that matrix where we focused is we focused very much on trying to provide as quickly as possible the kind of the comfort and certainty of the origin of diamonds from a B2B point of view. So it's just kind of increased the need to step up that scale out a lot quicker. And again, and this, I guess, is a good segue into your, your second point about there are a lot more players today than there were a year ago and where there were two years before that. The other thing is, you know, De Beers needs to get all their production on a traceability platform, all of it. So it's quite easy to do 10 diamonds or 100 diamonds or 1,000 diamonds. When you're in the million, it, it does get a little bit more challenging if you've got a complex kind of landscape. So, you know, I think that's where we focus very much on the, the B2B, the rollout, the scale. And as I described, that's kind of filling the dam at the back end and then starting to look at something like Melee that we haven't really looked at before. And we started that at, uh, earlier in the, in the beginning of the year. And then what's super interesting about the traceability landscape is I think it shows that there is there is definitely a desire there. So that's why there's a lot more of these platforms coming out. And it's not just in the diamond industry, it's across the board. You know, consumers are going into shops and they want to know where stuff comes from and they want to know the carbon footprint and the impact and all of these different things. So I think the desire has grown a lot in the last year. I think the sanctions definitely accelerated that for, for various reasons. And then I think the other thing that's really interesting from a tech point of view is the tech's a bit easier. So four or five years ago when we started to build a blockchain platform, you know, there wasn't much out there. Ethereum was pretty, you know, pretty middling. You know, Bitcoin had been around for a while, but there wasn't really much going on. Today, you can log into Microsoft Azure or you know Amazon's AWS, Amazon Web Services, and you can create a blockchain instance almost instantly. And so we're we're seeing a lot of people creating a blockchain service and calling it kind of a provenance platform. And there's there's some truth in that because it is what it kind of says on the tin. I guess it's a blockchain platform. When you kind of scratch beneath it and you start looking at things that we've been talking about today, you know, it takes a lot longer and it takes a lot more investment to get it to that enterprise grade, industry grade level. And so we think we're going to see a lot of these players. And I do think some of them are going to come with something truly innovative. We're excited to work with those players because they can bring something that we can't bring. And then I come back to that point about interoperability. I think there's going to be a huge amount of interoperability in the space because it's just such a large complicated space to operate in and so you know i think that's where we're kind of moving uh, in the short term well it um i mean there was that, that initial period where blockchain was the buzzword you know in the industry and i think it took me about three four years to understand exactly what it is and i'm still not 100 percent sure if i get it but i um, but i think my understanding has improved um that's for sure and, uh, and i like the description of it being a provenance platform because um i do think um that uh, in addition to the consumer, I think the driving this trend or this need, there's also the brands who I think um, require it. They see it as an essential to underpin their brand story. And, and so I think it's a case of the more the merrier, really, and it can only add value to the market. 
I do want to just, um, and maybe we'll end on this um, or with one or two more questions, but in terms of onboarding site holders, where are you now? Have you all site holders involved or is sort of a plan that you're ramping up and onboarding more site holders as the year goes by? That's a very important point. So it's open to all site holders. So we've opened it up and we've made contact with all of the beers as site holders. So, you know, the, the kind of invitation is there. As of today, I think with those that are already live in production, and then we have some that are in test. So what we do is we create a fully fledged test environment. It takes less than 10 minutes. The guys are really smart. We give that over to, to the participant and they can play with it. And they can test it and break it, deal with customer support and make sure that they're comfortable and ready to go. Another another big learning from the pilots. And then as soon as they're ready, we click a button and that thing deletes itself and a brand new production instance is then connected onto the production network. So between those in you know fully fledged live uh, environments and those in test environments, we're about halfway through the, the site holder rollout, which is good. It's kind of where we wanted to be. We're starting to get into I guess the harder part. We had a lot of really really mature you know really engaged site holders from the pilots from a technology point of view, and now we're phoning up guys and saying you know we we've got this technology, we'd love you to be on it, and we're starting to engage with them. So we're about halfway through. And then I just I did want to make a, another point. You, you touched very early Avi on that sort of provenance point and the story thing. And I think I like to keep bringing this in and especially in a lot of, you know, the, the forums that we're involved in is there's a huge amount of good that goes on in our industry and a massively positive story that can be told. And that's not just building forever in, in what Beers is doing and what other producer countries are doing and producer partners, but it's the midstream and it's further down. There is a, a massive amount of positive impact that our industry has. And I think we owe it to the industry and to the consumers to surface those stories in a much richer and better way. And so I think to your point, the more the merrier, right? The better we can get that out there and the better we can work together to, to buoy the entire industry, I think we're going to be doing a lot better. So, you know, we're halfway through the site holders and I think that's brilliant, but the site holders don't only buy from De Beers, right? So they, they're people that, that are quite quite well established and, and respected in the industry. So we're we're well on our way on the journey and, uh, and quite excited about where we are. Great. Well, um, Wes, I think it's a good place to end. Thank you for making a rather technical topic engaging and interesting. And it's simply, I think, to understand for our listeners, there's a lot to be gained from what you said. And we'll be keeping an eye on um, Trace's development um, in the second half of the year and beyond. So thanks for joining us on the podcast. Great having you. It's an, it's an absolute pleasure. And, and thank you, uh, Avi, for the time and, and for your team. I know it doesn't, uh, podcasts don't get developed, uh, you know, in, in the in a couple of hours. So thank you very much for that. And uh, yeah, look, it's a it's a team sport as well. So to, to my entire team and the support of, that we've had of the industry and De Beers so far, I'm, I'm really grateful for it. And uh, yeah, watch the space. I think there's going to be some exciting things coming out in the next six months. Um, so look forward to talking again. Likewise, super. And so keep us posted. Where can people find you or find more information about Tracy if they need to? Yeah, that, that's a really good point. So we, we do have a website and you can you can kind of get us through tracer.com. We're becoming a lot more active on LinkedIn now that we've come out of our sort of heads down phase. Uh, so you can find Tracer on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn and you can find me on Twitter as well. You just have to search for me and you'll find me there. So so thanks very much. And yeah, please reach out. We're, we're engaging a lot more in the industry. We're having some really exciting conversations and uh, yeah, always happy to talk to, to more people that want to want to help this industry get to, you know, carry on being the great place that it is. Well, thanks very much, Wes, and thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you again soon. I hope you gained a lot from this discussion with Wes, as the issue of traceability and tracer itself is sure to play a central role in the industry moving forward. For more discussions, news, and analysis by Rappaport about the diamond industry, please visit diamonds.net, follow Rappaport Group on Instagram, and Rappaport on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Ignite, a full-service innovation, science, and technology division within the De Beers Group, spearheading step change throughout the diamond industry. 